So there in Hebrews chapter 5, I want to focus on verse number 12 and 13 where we read, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, and which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So this morning the title of my sermon is The Simplicity in Christ. So I want to talk about the simplicity in the Christian life. And I want to talk about just some basic principles in spiritual growth for, for a Christian. And what it says there, you know, that's the one thing that it's, it's a good goal is to be a teacher. So everyone should be a teacher. It isn't just for the pastor, just for ministers. Everyone should have that desire. And having that goal is something that will help you to, you know, want to learn more, want, want to grow in your, in, your spiritual, in your spiritual walk. And the very first thing is, and the simple thing that you can do as far as growing and, and, and being a Christian is just reading the Bible cover to cover from the beginning to the end. Because we, we, we see here talking about, you know, having that, that milk and, and, and the, the meat. When somebody tries to go and try to eat some meat and they've never read the Bible cover to cover, you've seen how people choke with that. And you, you have people that have these questions, you know, they have a deep spirit or a deep question, but they don't have basic knowledge. And it's like, how can you answer them if they don't, they don't have that? So reading the Bible cover to cover and you're reading it multiple times. Uh, one, one of my goals is, is um, recently or, or right now is to, to have a broad knowledge of the Bible, like to be able to just recall, like when someone asks a question, say, oh, okay, that's right there. That, that's, that's, what it is. that's a good thing that, that I have in mind right now. Is, and you get that by reading it cover to cover. Read it cover to cover and try to get a basic knowledge of what each book is about, what each chapter, and trying to get that, get that in your head so that you can recall things. Because, like I said, you see people that get in trouble by trying to know things or go into some kind of deep doctrine, but they don't know it, and, and then they get in trouble. Or they misinterpret things because they, they have no idea of just the overall context of the Bible or the overall context of a book. So just wanting to be a teacher for the time he ought to be teachers. And one thing that when I was young in the faith that, that I got into was apologetics. And I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, like, depending on what it's for. So that got brought up recently. I know um, uh, Austin brought it up and pastor did with that guy named uh, Eric Skorzynski. I listened to that, that podcast where they talked about how he, he, he became an atheist because he was dealing with all the abuse in the churches and he was tired of seeing all the wickedness that was going on in churches. And that kind of drove him away to not, not be a Christian anymore. And they were saying, you know, that's wrong. You, like, because of what happened there, these guys were saying that they should learn to know why you believe things. So when I, when I say about apologetics, I'm talking about just going out and debating and arguing with people, more about you knowing what you believe and knowing why you believe it so that it's not just I believe it because they told me. No, you know it because you studied it, you're convicted, you have that assurance that that's what you believe. So when, when they brought that up, that, that brought this to mind. And when I was younger, I, um, I got into that. You know, people would ask me questions. I was 17 in high school, and people would throw stuff at me. So I, I got into that, that there. So... Being or learning about apologetics shouldn't be so you can go out and try to fight with people about it because a lot of people have that. You know, young Christians they they learn something new and they want to go and bash somebody's head with it. So it should be you're going into that for your own benefit, for your own growth, for your own assurance of what you believe and that you believe is true. And like um, Pastor tells us, you know, he he does he doesn't tell us to not listen to other preachers. When I was in the Pentecost church, that was one thing they told you is don't listen to anybody else. Only listen to what we teach you because you're going to get confused. You're going to get that. And we know how that's wrong. And pastors told us, you know, yo, go out and listen to somebody else. They're probably going to make me look good because they know they're false. So he teaches us the truth, and we come here, we have the desire to learn. And we, if you have that and you go out and listen to people, you're going to see where their errors are. You're going to see where their misinterpretation, where, they're, like I said, they don't know the context, and they're, they're, they're getting caught with false doctrine. And we're taught the truth. 
And Jude 1 says, Beloved, when I have given a diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you of that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Like I said, the common salvation. So the simplicity in Christ, being saved, the Christian doctrine, it's something that's simple. Everybody that gets caught in false doctrine, they try to overcomplicate it. Everybody that preaches a false gospel is because they're trying to overcomplicate salvation, overcomplicate how simple it is of the doctrine of Christ. And yesterday I was trying to tackle that, preaching about the Hebrew roots and everything that goes on with that. And it's, like for me, it's simple. And trying to explain, I felt like I, I went into too many things because they overcomplicate so many things, trying to go back to the law, trying to teach you have to obey the Sabbath, you have to keep the, keep the feast, you have to get circumcised. And so many of these things that they get caught up is just simply Jesus Christ. What's the answer to keeping the Sabbath? Is Jesus Christ. And it's so simple for us that know the gospel, that know the truth. But it's like trying to explain to them. It's like you know that, like I said, they, they don't understand the Bible. And it, it's hard to just bash it in their head. So with the issue of apologetics, it's not for soul winning. Like I said, I, I struggled with that early because I got into it and trying to, trying to talk to people. A lot of times, like I say, like it, was, it was more people wanting to talk to me about it. They would come, what about this? So I would say, oh, I just became a Christian. Say, well, what about this? What about that? So I would have to go research things and try to, so it, it became an argument. But now it's like when you, when you want to go, like it's good to learn that, but as far as like going soul winning, that's not going to help you in any way. Like everything that I remember learning or looking up, I, it's very rare that I ever recall any of that or try to use that when I go soul winning because uh, when I started going soul winning, it helped me a ton just how simple it is to just a straightforward gospel presentation. Not about getting into an argument, about trying to prove that God exists with somebody. You're trying to uh, get them to believe the Bible. Like if, you just, if somebody doesn't believe God, doesn't believe the Bible, you just kind of leave them alone and try to plant the seed. But you're not going to stand there arguing and bashing with them, trying to get them to convince them. You go to a door and you find someone that's receptive. So just, it helped me you know, st- stick to the gospel. No vain jangling. You know, I do backslide here and there. I'm going to confess to you that I have backslid. You know, there's times where I remember when I was with, it was the very first door, and I, I spent like 40 minutes talking to this guy when I could have gone and talked to somebody else. So I, I'll confess that I have backslidden. But I try, to, I try to keep it. And one goal that I have, like, I do enjoy talking to, like, I was in a cult. And when I got out, I started researching, you know, about different calls, the Mormons, Jehovah. And so that's something that interested me, and I kept looking into it. So when I run into those people, like, well, I want to talk to them. And a lot of them, I just want to ask them, you know, why do you believe that? I remember when I first ran into someone that believes in this uh, this cult in Mexico called the, the, the Luz del Mundo, the Light of the World. It's kind of like a Mexican Mormon type style. So when I first ran into a lady that actually followed that, I wanted to ask, you know, why do you believe it? And you know, the, their leader is like a like convicted pedophile. Like, well, how do you believe, how do you, like, Follow someone like that. She said, "Oh, it's false. You know, everything. All these accusations are not right. You know, can't believe them." So she was, she was brainwashed. But I, I enjoy talking to those people, trying to figure out, you know, why are they there? Why do they believe? What, what keeps them in these cults? So I do. I allow myself. This is my rule of thumb. If, if we're soul winning, and uh, we get to like the very end of a block, or there's like 10, 15 minutes left, and you, uh, and I run into somebody like that, I'll spend the last 10 minutes talking to them, kind of like asking them. And if you want to talk to JWs, brother Sean, so you have to go soul. And, you know, right now they're on house arrest because they can't go around anywhere, so they, they want to talk. So, yeah, I've gone soaring with them twice in the past couple months, and every time the very last door was a J-Dub. And I, I, I took the time, you know, asking them. They were nice. They were nice people. Usually they don't want to talk to you because they, they know what you are. But these, these two people that we ran into were, were pretty nice. They were explaining to us what they believe. They were wrong, but we asked them questions going back and forth. And it was, it was a very good, good conversation we had. So it was, there are times where you can use that to, to be able to, to go back and forth with somebody. And it's uh, it's it's not as bad as what happened a couple of weeks ago. And when Pastor said he wanted to rebuke us for soul winning, uh, I wasn't sure if somebody told him what happened at that soul winning trip when he wasn't here. I'm not going to say the names of these guys, but their initials are AT and uh, AK. 
that, that what, what happened with these guys was we uh we went so into this neighborhood right and we finished pretty much most of it and we were waiting on these two guys and we thought they were probably gonna be done then it was like 20 minutes then it was like 30 minutes then i think it was like an hour and we're just sitting there like i think they got the, the new testament in like 30 minutes or maybe they're maybe they got the romans now and uh we were making fun of them so bad then they got they knew they knew we were all staring at them as they were coming back and they they took for like I like I said I confess that I I took it too much time talking to somebody man this this was pretty bad I was pretty sure pastor was going to talk about it. I'm sure I'm pretty sure he doesn't really know but they 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 came back probably was, had to be at least an hour I don't remember exactly and then when they came in they were like, they were like kind of shamed because they knew we were all staring at them and we asked them what like what was that person hung up on like we thought man they at least had to get to the very end like trying to get them to get saved and they had to get saved but they didn't get saved I think they said they didn't believe in God or they didn't believe in the Bible and I was like man. <laughs> Like the very first, the very most important thing that you would have just laughed at, like if they were sitting for an hour arguing about believing God, believing the Bible. So I won't say their names, I won't shame them, but they know who they are. <laughs> so uh, talking about apologetics, so how can I explain? Like, let me paint a picture for you, since I, this is in everybody's mind right now. So I, I'm going to explain to apologetics like an AR-15, right? An AR-15 self-defense weapon, not an assault rifle. You don't want to go assaulting people. So when you learn how to defend your faith, why you believe things. Think of it like that. Then you have that, that, um, that guy, Joseph Rosenbaum, that pedophile. Think of that like being like an immoral atheist who comes at you with these things that were trying to debunk your, your faith. Well, you could bring up like the moral argument. I've, I've gone through a lot of different, like talking to atheists at work. They'll come at you, throwing stuff at you. And the one that I usually go back to is morality because where do they get their morality from? They say this is right, that's right, or how they say Kyle was wrong. According to what? If you're an atheist, how can you say what it is wrong? Like it was, it was clearly self-defense. But the morality is our, our conscience that we know right from wrong. That comes from God, and that's universal. You can go down to the nitty-gritty of which, which sins everybody knows. You know, killing, murder. It's all throughout the whole entire world. You can find the most remote little island in the middle of nowhere. They know that killing is wrong or stealing and all these things. And, and that comes from God. That's from our conscience. That's, that's proof that God exists. So there's no way around it. So when you, when you bring up people like that, that's the very first thing I do. I've, I've gone other ways. You know, you, you think about like the, the first and second law of thermodynamics, all these things that, that you learn from, from creation, science. And, and they, they'll, they'll find their way around them. But when it comes to morality, that's one thing I found that they cannot get around that. There's nothing to get around any of that. Or you think of that guy, Anthony Huber, the, the skateboard guy. It'd be like a false religion. So you learn about false religion. So whenever they come at you, you can defend it with, with uh, like I said, Brother Sean and us when we were going with the JWs. Like you learn about JWs and they come at you. We don't go seeking JWs, but when they come at us, we, we, we got that in our pocket to defend them. We got that concealed carry. You got that gauge, that gauge gross grace, the guy with the Glock, you know, the doubt. Somebody wants to throw doubt at you about what you believe. When you know the Bible is true. You know Jesus Christ existed. You know he was crucified. You know that's a fact. They can come out with whatever conspiracy. You know that Zeitgeist, Brother uh, Brian brought up somebody in his job promoting Zeitgeist, all this weird uh, conspiracy theory that just theories of nothing. Like Jesus Christ has was not a copy of some some pagan pagan thing. I don't know if you've watched it, but that's that's all false. You can go online and find anything debunking stuff. And whenever I run to people like that, that they say, you know, I used to be a Christian, I used to be a Baptist, but then I started doing research and I found out that it's false. I'm like, have you ever looked at the other side? Because you can go online and find all kind of people that will teach you that Christianity is wrong, the Bible's wrong, Baptists are wrong. 
But there's also on the other, the very same thing on the other side, people that are proving it's right, that teach you like the facts of the, the validity of the Bible. Like, do you ever look at any of that? Because you can, and I'll always bring that. I'll leave them with that. Like, as much time as you spent trying to find out how to debunk Christianity, debunk the Bible, spend that same time looking up how to prove the Bible, or people that are out there showing you that it's true. And if you do that, you're going to find that it's true. There's, there's no way around it. And an example I like to bring up to people is when, when I was in that, that uh, Pentecost church, it was a oneness church. So they denied the Trinity, and they would always bring up straw man arguments against the Trinity. You know, it's three gods. And when I, I, I remember going out, and you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it wrong. I'm going to prove it wrong. You know, I'm going to go out and study it. And when I, like I said, reading the Bible, when I read the Bible through cover to cover, and when I read the book of John cover to cover, there was no denying it. The Trinity is it's a fact there. Like, it's just plain and simple. So you, you go out, you try to debunk it, and you, you failed. You, you fell on my face. You know, there, there's, no, there's no disproving it. It's, it's true. Another uh, simple way, turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So another simple thing that we can do for uh, church growth, or church growth, uh, Christian growth, is, is church. And here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning of verse number 9. Two are better than one, because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have a heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So this verse here, we sometimes use it as far as like marriage, finding a partner and strengthening each other through, through their marriage, through having a good relationship. And you can, I think you can also apply this to having a church. You know, just like Brother Austin talked about this morning, being a rogue Christian, just out there trying to do everything on your own. And it's the, the Bible clearly teaches, you know, Hebrews 10:25, not forsaking the assembly. When you're around a group of people, brothers that are, that are uh, like-minded, it encourages you, it strengthens you, emboldens you to be able to preach the gospel better as far as just trying to be out there on your own. And I've had that conversation recently with people that, you know, they used to go to church, they kind of backstage don't do it anymore. It's like, well, we tell people that when we go so many, you don't have to go to church. But we know that to be a good Christian, to be effective, to, to have good church growth or Christian growth is, is important to be part of a church and being part of one that's going to that's gonna push you, not going to one like people, like if someone wants to, um, someone smokes and they're going to go find a church where people smoke. Like, well, that's not going to help you in any, anything because you're just going to be around people that do the same thing. I, I've, I've was, I was, when I left the Pentecostal, I visited a bunch of different churches. I remember going to, I think it was a Calvary Chapel to a right after service. I just went out and smoked and that was, that was pretty crazy. Like, I'm for sure not staying there after I saw that. So, simple. You know, the simplicity of Christ. Christ established the church. He called us to go and be assembled together with believers. And that helps you in your, in your quest, in your, in your Christian growth to, to be a better person. Because that's what we do. We push each other. You know, if somebody tries to, to, to backslide a little bit or is falling off, we'll get a shoulder around and bring them back. You know, the, the, you know, come on. Wake up. And another thing, too, like we said, your goal should be to be a teacher. You have that in mind. Oh, look for someone. Look for someone in the church, maybe a family member, or a coworker that you that you can help in learning, or they have that interest, have that heart to, to learn more because they're out there. Like I'm sure you've had that at work with coworkers that know you're a Christian. They say, "Hey, what about this? What about that?" And instead of just bashing their head, "No, you're wrong. You're, you're wicked." This, but you bring them like have a the soft answer and turn away wrath, and and you teach them, and they'll they'll keep coming back. Like I, I've had that where 
somebody will ask me something, I answer it like in a good way. And if if you're respectful and they see you're genuine, you you know what you're talking about. They're going to come back and try to try to ask you more. And obviously the goal would be to get them saved. But even even just helping them in their life, maybe they want counsel for their marriage, for their for their family, raising kids. If you have biblical principles that you know from learning from coming to church, you can be a, a good blessing to someone someone in your in your coworker, in your in your work, and your family too. Turn over to uh, Luke chapter number uh, Luke chapter four. Sorry, it's um, 1 Corinthians 3. Sorry, I'm confused. I'm going to read for you Isaiah 61. This was preached by Jesus in Luke 4. He said, The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to build to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God, to comfort them that mourn. That mourn. You know, we should be trying to help the poor, and a lot of people get carried away with with helping the poor. They want to just give them money. They'll say, you know, you, just, you should give them money. I was, uh, I think, I was reading one of the comments on on that video with the the guy Eric Skorzynski, and somebody was saying, you know, you guys should stop giving money to churches and give it to the poor, and. Uh, what what came to mind right away is I was watching this documentary about over in in uh, Wisconsin over by the Oneida tribe they have they have a thing where when they want the kids the the Native American kids that are part of the tribe to graduate high school and what they have is if if one of those kids graduates high school they give them two hundred thousand dollars if they graduate and like I was watching these videos and like just think about what would you do if you're 18 and they gave you two hundred thousand dollars. And exactly what you think you were doing, that's what they did. They they wasted it. Like there was a guy like I'm gonna buy a Maserati. Like as soon as you get out of high school, you spend all your two hundred thousand dollars buying a Maserati. So you you hear people think, oh, you know, give money to the poor, or you see the panhandlers, you know, asking for money. And um, I saw a story. I forgot. I think it was in, in Montana or Wyoming where some guy was caught. He was a criminal. He was just out druggy. They they got they he had tons of change. It was like two hundred thirty dollars he had from panhandling, getting money. And the, it was a I think it was a police station, a sheriff saying, you know, don't give these people money because they're out there. They want to use it for drugs. Like you think you're helping them, but no, like stop giving them money because it just makes them worse. And they, they're criminals. They're on drugs. And the police and the sheriffs have to deal with them. And now they have money to go buy more drugs and, and, and feed that, that vice. So money doesn't really solve everything. Like we, we obviously we struggle in life, you know, try to pay bills and do that. And if you're responsible, money would help you. But like an 18-year-old or somebody that's struggling with drug, drug addiction, money's not going to do anything to them. So money isn't always oh, the answer. Or giving them food, same thing. Uh, I've seen, I grew up in the hood. I've seen people, you know, get free food. They go and sell it, and then they go buy drugs. So there's, you think you're doing something good, but it's not. Or building them houses. You can build them a house, but if, if it's somebody that doesn't have good character, they're not going to take care of the house. Like, we've gone in those neighborhoods, and people don't take care of what they have. So just giving them things makes it worse. Like, when you work for something, you appreciate it. And that's that's something that... And the sermons that we hear pastor preaches, you know, young men, young women, teaching them to have character, to because that's the foundation of having a good life. Money doesn't do it. Just giving them money isn't going to do any of that. And people will look at churches, you know, that church makes too much money or whatever, but, like, you can get blinded just by seeing money, but you completely disregard the people in that church. You see, it's a church that has a nice building. No, electricity is not free, especially when we live up here in the north. It gets cold. You've got to pay the heat bills. You've got you to carpet. You know, we spill coffee everywhere, especially Josh over there, that big one. We, we, we do things. We have to replace them, and it's, it's, it's what it is. And you, you see money. You see what, what we spend on, but you don't see the families that are built. You don't see the, the children growing, the relationships. The, so there's a lot that goes into just what happens in the church and just seeing, oh, it's, it's, they're making tons of money. No, it's, it's, it's for a good cause. 
So Hebrews 6.1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, not laying again the foundation. And uh, when it comes to um, like studying and growing and faith and learning, like I said, learning new things, you can get, you may get to the point to where you're just navel gazing, you know, you can just talk and debate doctrine over and over again. And what we see here in, in this passage that Jesus preached that he wants to go preach good tidings unto the meek, bind up the brokenhearted, you know, proclaim liberty to the captives, open up the prison for them that are bound. So he's talking about serving people, going out and reaching, like, People think of just giving money, but that's, that's a wrong way to look at it. But in, in a personal way, you can go do that. And that's what we need to move on onto, onto perfection. Perfection being like Christ, serving people, serving the community, serving our, our, our peers, our, our coworkers, helping out our, our fellow brethren in the church and being a good example, giving counsel and what, whatever you can that you can be a benefit to somebody else. That's what Jesus teach. It's, it's good to know doctrine. It's good to have that foundation, like I said, so you're not shaken. But then now that you're a, a, a founded in Christ, you have the roots, you're, you're a good Christian, do something with it. You can't just, like, like I said, be just navel-gazing, just talk about doctrine. Like, that's, that's good, but you have to go forth and do something with it. You know, move on to perfection. Try to be like Christ and not being a carnal baby. In 1 Corinthians 3, you're there, uh, verse number 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither ye know are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envyings and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So here's someone that's carnal, you know, with meat, wanting to just fight and strive. And that's the fruit of just being a babe, being a babe in Christ, arguing over things. We should move on from that and try to, try to be a blessing to people, try to do something with what we've learned, try to be a minister unto people. And that's what Jesus preached from Isaiah 61. That was what he's proclaiming. And the, the last one, too, in verse 2, I like what he said there, you know, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to our God and to comfort all that mourn. Now, that verse right there speaks to what we go through today. You see people that are mad about what's going on in society, you know, mad about wickedness and sin. Well, remember, there's, there's vengeance is coming. I like that verse because it's, it's just to comfort all that mourn. A lot of people are mourning for injustices, whatever happened to, to their family, whatever's happening now. So you preach the day of vengeance. Jesus Christ is coming. People have that doubts over whether God is real or any of that. Just no... I love when people bring that up. You know, what about suffering and pain? And what about all these people that are getting mistreated? That's like a perfect segue to know that that's what the gospel is about. That's what Jesus Christ is about. That's what the Bible is about. Jesus Christ has came to freely give us that gift of salvation so that we'd be able to be saved from when his wrath comes and is poured out to, to give vengeance for all that stuff that's going on, all that wickedness. Now, turn over to um, Mark chapter 6. So we know that Jesus said it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So one, one thing that's also good, because we should be serving people, we should try to be open to, to helping other people out. But as we see here in the Christ's ministry, it's going to drain you. And you know, like if a lot of people are discouraged because they try to help people out, and maybe they, they get better, then they get back, and you kind of get discouraged. It drains you trying to help people out. Ministry will drain you, so you need to get recharged. It's good to get recharged if you're out there doing it. And... um Dealing with people's problems, you know, it's hard. And 
that's what people are bringing up as far as this guy, this Arab guy who was out trying to expose church scandals, is he wasn't part of a church, so he had no people around him, and you're constantly just feeding your mind with all these wicked things that are going on. It's like it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess you up. So it's, you should be a balanced person. Like I said, come to church, come to a positive environment. When we have our song service, you know, sing it out, sing out, let your spirit rejoice in those songs. Listen to what you're singing, listen to what the hymns say, and, and kind of praise the Lord what it says. And that helps you to get renewed, and it helps you to keep a, keep a good mind, to keep a good attitude. So there in, in, in Mark 6, now let me read for you Mark 134, and he, and he healed many that were sick and diverse diseases and cast out many devils. And suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising in the great while, well before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And you should be in Mark 6, beginning in verse 28, there's this story. This happened right after they, uh, they cut off the head of John the Baptist. It says that they brought him his head on a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told them all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by a ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities. And out went them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out and saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And they began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is the desert place, and now the time is far spent. So he saw them as sheep, not having a shepherd. And we see another place, you know, the, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So God wants laborers. Jesus wants laborers. And if, if, you're, if you're not right with God or have struggled with things, that's where it should be a, a goal for you to help you to get better is I want to be a laborer. I want to be used by God. I want to be able to be a, a shepherd to these sheep because people are lost. You, you see people are going crazy with everything they have in Kyle Rittenhouse. And it's just simple things. And it's these people need uh, some ministry. They need, they need some stability. And it comes from the church. It comes from the Bible. It comes from Christians that, that are right with God. So we should be out there trying to do that. And like I said, you should recharge. Jesus said there, you know, come to a solitary place. And we see he went out to a solitary place. He went to pray because he knew he needed to get recharged. And the virtue had gone out from him. You see that in different places how the virtue went out. And it's something that you need. You shouldn't, um, if, you're, if you are active in ministry, if you are active doing it, helping people out, and it does drain you, don't, don't just keep going. You know, don't burn yourself out. Try to, you know, take a break. Come to God. Ask him to help you, to recharge you, pray, and that, that helps you. And I start, and I went and look up a, a different article as far as, cause I know there's, people have different personalities. You, you know, some people are outgoing, some people are more introverts, more shy. And they, there's articles explaining about how different people recharge in different ways. So it's it said about an introvert, the way they recharge is by, you know, working out, sleeping, reading a book, cleaning, cleaning your room. They, uh, they get their energy or they recharge by spending time alone. Jesus told us to spend time alone, and if that's you, that's something that, that you can do. And on the flip side, if you're an extrovert, which some people are, you know, they're, they're more about being around people. It says that those type of people, they, they get recharged by being around more people. Being alone is kind of bad for them, you know, working out, going to parties, meeting new people. And extroverts, you know, they, 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 um, they're more likely to want to talk through their day and their loved one and go out, socialize, and get their mind off. And that's a good thing with, with as far as, like, being married because um, – I'm more of an introvert. My wife's a little more extrovert. We kind of go back and forth on certain things. So I, I'm not I'm not one to be a talker, but she is. So if your wife is like that, talk with her. Don't just don't just ignore. Her. I can tell you from experience that's not that's not a good thing. So 
think of what you are, you know, what, what do you learn from? What, like, if you need to spend some time alone, I'm more like that. Like, my hobbies are more where I'm doing things alone by myself, and that's something that recharges you. And, and think of it like you're recharging. Why? Because you want to serve Christ, because you want to be a vessel that's worthy to be used by him, and you want to use it for that. So don't, don't just burn yourself out and, and try to do that. So don't ignore the simple things. Like I said, the simplicity in Christ. Just find someone that you should teach. Find someone. If you, if you like, you're learning, obviously you're here, you're learning. If you came to this church, you know, our pastor is all about doctrine. Uh, one thing too, like the dispensationalism was a big doctrine that I struggled with, so I came here, he's solid on it, and, uh, I think his brother, um, brother Jason, same thing, he came here with that, and it was something you struggle with, and you don't get that in a lot of churches. A lot of churches are deceived by a lot of these false doctrines, and they, it messes with the way they teach. So when you know that, you're here for a good doctrine, so you're learning, so find someone to teach that. Find someone that you can help out. Like, you know how learning the right doctrine liberated you from all these problems, and find someone to be able to do that. You know, labor for the Lord. Don't forget, you need, and don't forget the recharge. Now, turn over back to Hebrews chapter 5. So in closing, summarizing pretty much the, the, the sermon in like a, a catchphrase that you'd say, is you learn, grow, go to church, teach, reach, recharge, and repeat over and over again. Learn, grow, go to church, teach, reach, recharge, and repeat. So where we, we're going to read the last, the verses we, uh, where, we end, uh, where we started. For when for a time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which ye for the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of God of righteousness, for he is a babe. So what, what I want to teach you or bring forth this morning is to remind you, you know, don't be a babe. You know, try to grow, try to stay with the simple things and step by step, try to grow, be a good Christian. And not just to be puffed up in the head, but to be able to be a, a, a worthy vessel and be able to use used by God. So with that, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for, for the blessing that we have this church with, with brethren that have that same desire to be, to be used by God. Thank you for everyone here, and thank you for the opportunities we have to minister to each other. Thank you for all the families we have and all the children. Thank you for everything that they're doing here, how they're being a blessing. I pray, Lord God, you bring our pastor safe. Help us to, to be a, a blessing here while he's gone. In the name of Jesus, amen.